When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kahn Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And just a couple, a couple of quick programming notes. One, you can always find my work on ESPN.com. Going to have a story up sometime over the next several days on the impact that Eric Bieniemy has already made within the players, within the organization, etc. Goes way beyond the yelling, folks. Anyway, that's a part of it, but it's why he does it that I think has made the impact. Anyway, that's one thing. Two. Starting next week, I'm going to be going to two podcasts a week because we're hitting the dry months of the summer as we ramp back up toward training camp. I'm going to get back up to three. And then in training camp, I will be doing a podcast every day after practice to give you a wrap up of what happened during the day, a quick update, just so you can stay informed and educated about what's going on with the commanders. Also, I'll be having guests like Logan Paulson coming up soon over the next week or so. Hoping to get some other guests on here, have some interviews with coaches, including one with Ron Rivera about, about Eric Bienmi. Then I'm going to play at some point as well. So stay tuned for all that. Even though it's going dry in the summer months, I've still got stuff for you. And then there's going to be stuff on the sale whenever that finally gets approved or voted on, etc. Anyway, today is just a mailbag, you and me, and I'm answering your questions. So I'm going to try to get to as many as I can. I have, I think it's like 11 of them down here that I, there were, you know, a couple several dozen questions, but I'm going to answer, I'm going to get to, I'm hoping 11. I don't want to keep you on here too long and have you have to listen to me for too long. So let's go right to it. I'm, and you, you're going to see if I'm, if you're on YouTube, you're going to watch me read questions off my computer. Anyway, the first one from Hyperbolic Take Commander. Do you think playing against a stifling, excuse me, do you think playing against a stifling defense day in, day out limits Sam Howell's growth? I understand competing against a good defense is a good thing, but if it creates anxiety in Sam and leads to bad habits, could that be an issue? Well, yeah, it could be an issue. In Howell, if he if that's what creates some bad habits or creates anxiety in him, good Lord, you don't want that guy starting. So yes, competition is what's going to drive him. If he had a, if he was facing a bad defense and let's say you kind of the other way, what if he develops a false sense of security or, or in, in who he is or what he can do or what he must do in there because he's not being challenged in practice. I want a guy to be challenged because that is how you grow. It's how I've grown in any situation I've been in and any athlete I've seen um, develop. When you get put into a tougher situation, you either rise up or you don't. And I think it's good for him because here's the flip side to that. If he's losing every day, if he's getting beat up every day, then you don't have the right guy playing quarterback. 
But if he's getting his own victories along the way and developing, that's when you know you have the right guy. <clears throat> to me, a big part of playing quarterback in the NFL is what happens when things go bad. How do you respond? Because they always, this always happens. Kirk Cousins took a long time to learn how to respond to interceptions and negative plays. And I felt like it slowed his development a little bit as a as a quarterback. But if you're if you're wilting because of what you face in practice, you got the wrong guy. Period. So I think this is a good thing. I think this defense is really good for him. It's a the defense plays fast. So I think what it gives him is, is a sense of what he might see. And I think I've used this before, but little things like what this defense can do because they are experienced and they do they are experienced in this defense and in this coverage scheme. So they can do things like disguise coverages a little bit better. That's going to help Howell because he's going to see that during the season. And the more he sees it in practice against a good defense, let's say he goes out there and has success against a good defense in practice. Don't you think that gives him more confidence going into a game and then, you know, what he can do there? I say it does. And it, it absolutely does. Because again, it's if, if he wilts because of it, you do not have the right guy. So I think this is a very good thing for him because also, and I'm going to get to this in my next question, it's not like he hasn't had success out there. He has. So when you know you're facing a good defense and then you have some success, that builds your confidence. And that is what will propel you during the season way more than if you get a false sense of security and then you get challenged during the season. And then what? I'd rather find out now. And I think one of the big things that they've had trouble with with some of these roster decisions or or just position uh, choices or whatever player choices is they don't learn enough about some of these guys until it's too late. Well, I think you're going to learn about how because of that defense. So thank them for that. All right. Number two, Mr. Rob Anthony wants to know how is Sam looking? I've heard mixed reports. I've heard up and down. I've heard he has earned the respect of his teammates, heard he's way ahead in the competition. In your opinion, how did he look? How's he picking up the new offense? Well, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. First of all, I think he's look I think his development has looked good. So that's the key. It's not just I think in this situation you can't be results oriented. You have to be very process oriented. And so and that's how they're going to take the approach. So in practice, I might see him throw an interception. What you don't always know if you're on the standing on the sidelines is why that occurred. <clears throat> what happened? What led to that decision? What led to that throw? Was it was it a bad decision? Was it a bad play call against that defense? Was it a defense he hadn't seen? Because that's happened a lot too. There are a lot of times that they might be showing a blitz that he they haven't practiced against or game planned against. So he's really got to learn on the fly how to handle that situation. Now, as you move move on in camp, you're going to get um, ways to handle those sorts of situations. But in this case, um, I, I do think he's looked good. I think he's developed at the right pace. There are definitely days where it's like, okay, the defense was looked really good that day. The defense got him. They got the offense. And that happens. And again, if it's not happening, then you don't have the defense you think you do. The defense is further ahead than the offense right now because they've been in it. This is a new offense, a young quarterback, and a new offensive coordinator for them. So naturally, there's going to be a developmental or some growing pains with that. So some of the things that I've liked with him 
I thought I felt like early on his rhythm and timing was really good. And I do see it, especially in the seven on seven. I know that's not what you're going to face in a game, but I think if you don't have the timing and rhythm in a seven on seven, kind of a bad sign. And I've seen that with other quarterbacks here before. Shoot, I, I'll go back to 2015 with Robert in, in the spring practices too often you would see him take off running in those seven-on-seven situations. And you talk to guys who are experienced quarterbacks who were in the building, and they would say, that's a bad sign. I don't see that a lot with Howell. Now, once in a while, you might see him having to do that. For the most part, he's getting rid of the ball. So he's making good decisions, I think, in those situations. There have been times in practices where, yes, he may, may he might make a bad decision. One of the things they like, and this is part of the growth, and it's where you have to fall back on, what they like is when he'll tell them, this is why I messed up. So he'll tell them why before they tell him or before they correct him, as they say, he can self-correct. That's also a part of the growth process. So just because, you know, if he has a bad day in the spring, it doesn't mean he's having a bad camp. It's what do you learn from that and how do you grow? I also think there have been times where you saw it. And I, I saw this example, and I think I've talked about it on here with um, one time with Biennemi, where Howell was a little bit late getting to a read, but he got there and he completed the ball. And I know like Rivera was asked Biennemi, like, oh, you know, was that okay? He's like, yes, because he got to the right guy. He was a little bit late, but he got to the right guy. So in other words, he made the right decision. So as you move on and the more experience you get in this offense, that little bit late decision becomes an on-time decision and now a bigger play. That's how it should work. So you want to see the signs of growth. And I definitely saw that. Is he ahead of in competition? Well, I haven't seen anything to put him back behind Jacoby Brissett. And I, you know, I like Jacoby Brissett. I think he'll be a very solid player for them, backup. Uh, but I would certainly, right now, I've seen no reason to go in a different, you know, certainly no reason to think that they should open this up to an even stronger competition. I think there's always competition with it because if he doesn't progress and Brissett is now starting to make plays in practice that he isn't, well, then, yeah, then that's going to be a problem. But that's not necessarily what was happening. I, I think Brissett progressed as well. I think he did a nice job early on. I thought his rhythm and timing was not there. I thought it was better as he went into camp. And that that's natural. It's a new situation for him as well. Uh, so I think I think I would say I think he's done it. I think Howell's done a nice job. Am I ready to say he's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback this year as a starter? No, I don't think you want to put all the onus on him, but I think he's in a good spot. And let's see where he goes this summer. School is out and summer is here, so it's time to plan your next family adventure. With eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles, and over 4,000 feet of zip lines, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring, located in Montgomery County, Maryland, is the largest ropes course and zip line park in the country. Beat the heat and join us after dark for some night climbing. When the sun goes down, the park is lit up, allowing you to climb under the stars. Check out their glow-in-the-park events for extra glow lights and music throughout the forest. Want to keep your feet on the ground? Grab a bite to eat from the food truck and give axe throwing a try. Perfect for first-timers or experts, their projector systems allow you to throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. 
Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's promo code KIME23DC, K-E-I-M-2-3-D-C. Now open seven days a week. This is the perfect time of year to get outside and join the adventure at theadventurepark.com. All right, Rush Manuel always asks these interesting questions, and I'm not sure I have a good answer for him, but if Josh Harris approached you on day one as owner of the Commanders and asked you to tell him one to two things the organization could start or stop doing immediately to help you do your job, what would you tell them? Well, first of all, I don't really, I'll be honest, I've never thought of it in those terms because I don't worry what they do. I just want to know what do I have to do with however they're structured there to succeed in my job, whether it's Bruce Allen in charge or Dan Snyder, whomever, uh, what is, what do I have to do to still gain my access to still get information? And that's really about developing relationships. But what I would tell them is don't change the PR staff. The football PR staff is very good. And I think they're very professional. They're young, but they're highly professional. They know what they're doing. And I wouldn't change them because I think they help people do their jobs, not because they're easy or soft, but because they're professional. And that's what you want. I've heard a lot of other situations. One thing I have to say that people assume that everything has been just been horrible here. As far as like, from our perspective, I've dealt with a lot of good people from that football side, whether it's the coaches or the PR staff over the years. And so my job in a lot of ways there, it's funny because I'll talk to some, some of my ESPN colleagues and they've had it worse and they might cover better teams. So there was one team a few years ago that was really, really good. And our reporter, I know in talking to that person was miserable because the access was really bad. The PR staff was not very helpful for the local beat reporters. This, this, I have not experienced that. Now there's been crazy. We know that we know that, you know, I would say, don't, don't get investigated by the DEA. Don't get investigated by Congress. That will help us do our jobs better because you're not having to take time away from the stuff that you actually like reporting on. Build a winning organization. That will help us too because at least the story changes and the narrative changes. And I think covering a winning situation would probably be more fun. Now, in fairness, I've only been around a few decades, so I don't know. It's, maybe I haven't been around long enough to to re, to uh, maybe um, understand what it's like to cover a winning situation. But that's what I would say. But I do think you know, like I said, there are good parts of this organization. Do not assume that everything there needs to be blown up because the PR staff does a really good job. All right. Strictly speaking, wants to know, do you think the new ownership group will bring any actual football type admin folks with them to observe how the current regime does things? Or do you think they'll likely do that from outside the building? Is philosophy going to be less as or more important than wins or losses? <clears throat> I think one some of that some of those answers will get to will get from whenever they have their first whenever Josh Harris has his first press conference and I don't know when that's going to be yet. So, but I don't think that you're going to see this some sort of parade of football administrators sitting there kind of taking notes about what does Ron Rivera do and all that. One thing to keep in mind with Josh Harris and this is where I you know listen somebody I have said this before but somebody asked me once like where did Dan Snyder go wrong? It's like, when did it go wrong for him? Is it from the beginning? Because I don't think he ever knew how to put together a team. He was not a team sport guy growing up. He was really not, he was not an athlete. I don't think he understood the dynamics of it. For him, even in business, it was just, you know, here's, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't about building a, a team, et cetera. So I think 
with Harris, you have a guy who's experienced in sports, who's a college wrestler, good athlete, and owns sports teams. That's big. So he knows what an organization should look like. He knows what a leader should look like. So I think it's really going to be there. It's going to be a lot of him coming in and assessing the situation and getting a handle on the situation. What kind of a leader is Rivera? I don't think he's going to, you know, he might say like, oh, you know, he may have an idea on like, oh, I'd like a coach. I'd like an offense that was a little bit more wide open. Well, I don't think he's going to sit there and say, I want this style of offense. You know, I don't think that's, that's not what, you know, my understanding with Harris is that he he's, he's in, he's a, he's involved, an involved owner, but he's not a meddlesome owner. He's a sports fan, but he doesn't, he lets people do their job. So he may have an idea of like, oh, I'd like to see a more wide open offense. So when you're looking for a guy, if you get to that point, maybe that's kind of what you look for. But in this situation, you know, again, he knows how to run sports teams. He has an experience in what, how the structure of an organization should be. Whether or not he knows football, he knows that. Or whether or not knows the NFL, he knows all of that. So I, my sense would be that he'll they'll come in as a group and just kind of get a feel for it. And I also, to be honest, I also think that if you're him right now, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be calling around people and asking, hey, what do you think about this person or that person? So, you know, you can do some of that stuff before you come in. But I think when he gets here, I think it's going to be a, let's assess the situation. I know some others wondered about you know, how quickly would they make decisions on things. I think they're going to be a very, I think there'll be a patient group, but it's really hard for me to say because I don't know, but I think it'd be awfully hard to make certain changes when you come in. If it's, let's say it's late July or early August, really tough to do that. So I think they'll just, and as far as what, what's going to be more important philosophy, I think there's going to, first of all, I think if, I think structure is important. One of the things that that I've read about him, and he has said this, that he believes in having a GM and then a coach. Now here you have Rivera is basically the GM, even though Martin Mayhew has that title, Rivera has the power. So, but if Rivera's, if they have a really good year and it's building and you have a good roster, I don't know why you change just because you want a certain structure. But I think whenever he, it's time for him to make a change, I think you would look for getting someone who's a GM and getting someone who's a coach. But again, if, if it's big, if, if they go out there and win this year and they do a pretty good job and they have a good roster, I don't know why you would say, well, this is my belief. So I'm going to change. If it's going well, it's going well. And I, you know, so I, but it's hard to answer about the philosophy stuff because I just don't know it just yet. Bobby Boucher, I think it's AMFHT commanders. Why can the NFL, why I think he wants to say, why can't the NFL owners jump on zoom and approve this new ownership? Now I'm answering this one because some of the other, some others have asked here, why is it taking so long? Well, I've kind of explained in a few podcasts, why is it explain, taking so long? First of all, you know, he's got to get in compliance. The, the bid has to get in compliance with NFL guidelines. So there's too much debt. They want more equity in the deal. There's also 20 limited partners that takes time to vet. As far as the zoom goes, I had the same question. But what I've been told is that the owners like to do this in person. I think they also want to get a sense of the guy. This will be the first time a lot of them will meet him. So I think that's important for them as well. And so that's partly why. But it is funny because one of the things with this vote, I know we've been floated two dates, July 20th or August 8th. But as people have told me, it's really hard to get 31 billionaire owners together to, uh, to get a date where you can go vote. So that's that could take a little bit of time there. But uh, as far as the Zoom, they just prefer to do it in person, but it's a good question. District Sports Talk wants to know, 
We know Forbes is going to start, but it's hard being a great defense with two rookies in the secondary. Well, not, not really. How likely is it that they go into year into the year with two? And I think he wants to say rookie starters in the secondary. I, I mean, Forbes. Yeah, I would expect him to start. It'd be a big shock if he doesn't start, and if he's not one, you know, clearly one of their. He is one of their top three corners. Quan Martin, I don't. I think it's a little bit of a stretch right now to think he's going to go in there and start. Will he play a lot? I would expect him to play. The second round pick, he should play a lot, but I don't think that he's going to go in there with this with um, unless he just really wows in camp, which is always possible. But otherwise, I would expect him to have a role in the defense. And yes, at times you're going to have two rookies out there because you have of the three corners, one would be a rookie. And sometimes you'll have three safety looks or four safety looks where you you may that Quan Martin will be on there with Forbes. And the key for them, so that that there's a natural growing pains, but I think you can be a very good defense because I think those guys can play. And I think they play smart. I think they play fast. And so that's that's what you want. And I think they're I think with Martin's case, he's versatile. But it's safe, but it's safety for Martin and he can play in the slot, but listen, they can, they can put Benjamin St. Juice in the slot with Fuller and Forbes on the outside, you know, and, or they could put, you know, you can, then you can put Martin in the slot, but they don't have to put Martin in the slot unless he's ready for it. You also have at safety, you have obviously Cam Curl, you have Percy Butler, who was, who was doing, looked, had a pretty, looked to me like he had a pretty good spring finished pretty strong last year. You have Derek Forrest, who's done a nice job developing. And, you know, so you've got three other guys there and Jeremy Reeves, who can do a little bit of everything, who continues to feel more confident in this defense. So, you know, I think it's going to help ease Martin's transition to the defense, but you can still have a very good defense because for the most part, let's say those two are playing, you got nine other veterans out there and, you know, almost all of them will be experienced in this defense. That can help quite a bit too. It's not something I'd be too worried about. All right, Matt at Stunt Penguin wants to know, the roster currently only lists six linebackers. How many do you think will make the 53? I presume the base will be five or six DBs. Still need to defend against short yardage, um, sets, and fill special teams. Are they comfortable with their linebacker core as they appear to be? Good question. And I know going into the spring, the one position that I heard they'd want to fill is linebacker. Get another guy there. But I also told you at that time, a guy they wanted to see was Kalik Hudson. Hudson had a good spring. Hudson finished with a very good game against Dallas in the season finale. Not to just play to put too much into one game for both he and Howell, but Hudson looked good. He looked, he played fast. He feels very confident. So I think that was a big part of it. Keep in mind, like last year, you know, they're not, you're not going to go out and find some starting linebacker and they don't need to. They have Jamin Davis, who's going to be out there and they like Cody Barton, what he did. Now I told you he worked with the twos, but a lot of that, that was almost all because they wanted him to learn the defense without hurting the development of the, of the starter. So it gave him a chance to learn with the backups and, you know, certainly eventually I would expect him to start. So there's your two starters. And then, you know, so you would, any sort of addition would be depth, and a veteran depth and Hudson, if he can shows he can play, that gives you an advantage there, right? Because now you, that's a guy, that's a role they would have wanted to find there 
found there. And then you have David Mayo. I know people always cringe at his name. He can play. They know what he's going to do. He can play the run. He's a special, that's your special teams guy. And Hudson's a special teams guy. So yes, that part is important. And I've all, you know, one thing that I was always taught from coaches is a strong, the better depth you have at linebacker, the better your special teams are. So, you know, I, so could they add somebody there? Yeah. I think if that's still the one spot where I'd say, if you're going to add somebody, that's probably where it would be. And I could see, you know, last year, I think in the first game, I think there were five linebackers who played, you know, including on special teams. So I, yeah, I would think five or six, five make the roster. Keep in mind that one of the things that they have the benefit of is the versatility at safety. They can go with a five, one set with Davis or Barton, depending on the situation as a linebacker, or you can go with a four, one and have six DBs because you have versatility at safety. You have a couple of guys who can play that big nickel and Martin and then in cam curl. So it gives you that versatility and lessens the need to find, you know, a certain level of linebacker. But yeah, I, I think that's still a spot I would watch just for the depth purposes and, um, you know, and then, you know, see, but, but right now they seem to be fairly comfortable because of Hudson's development, but I just going to pay attention to that one. All right. Just a fan at, C-O-Y-G and H-T-T-C. With this kind of being a prove-it deal for EB, meaning B enemy, is there a successor in place if his offense is extremely impressive and he ends up getting a head coaching job in the next year or two? Good question. I'm glad you asked that because yes, there is. And it's, now I'm going to say his name. Everybody calls him Tavita Pritchard. He actually, when he introduced himself to us at the um, at a little round table we have with the assistant coaches in earlier this month, it's Tavita Pritchard. So anyway, He's the guy that I think that if Bienemy Lee, let's say, listen, if all goes well this year, Bienemy should be a head coach next year. He, he should be. Um, if he's here for two years for the commanders, that's even better because it gives Pritchard more time to learn the NFL. He's coming from Stanford, you know, so he's only coaching in college. So only being in the NFL one year would be an awful big ask to me for, for being a coordinator. But he's a guy that they really are, I think that they like having on their staff. So he's the young guy to develop. It's just a matter of at what point would he be ready to be a uh, to be an offensive coordinator because that's an that's a huge responsibility. It's not just again, it's not just calling plays, man. It is so much more than that. And you know, so I think, but he's a guy that I would watch because on their staff, I don't see anybody else. And you know, I, if the year goes bad, then I don't, then it's not going to matter anyways. But yeah, if, if it goes bad, I could definitely, excuse me, if it goes well, I could definitely see him getting a head coaching job, uh, meaning Bienemy. And then the decision is, is Pritchard ready or not? Because he's the guy to watch in this situation. That's a good question. Mike RNFN1 wants to know, is Washington really interested in Kareem Hunt? If so, is this an indication of concern with the running back room? Are they not what EB wants? Well, I addressed this on the last podcast. And all I would say is, you know, that I had people there in positions of who, who know what's going on, who just said they had no clue where that was coming from. We do know that Biennemi is close to Kareem Hunt. I do know that they like Brian Robinson and they're excited about Antonio Gibson. They And Biennemi is the guy who would really like Chris, Chris Rodriguez. Now, could Kareem Hunt be a good backup for them? Well, of course, because he knows the offense. And they know, and and Bien-Ami knows what he can do. Keep in mind, though, like you know, people. The one thing I always say is, don't chase names, chase the talent. And right now, I look at Cream Hunt. He certainly would be a good backup uh, for it for a team. 
does different things than Robinson does, you know, I think with, but with Gibson, I think he's the guy that I would rather have in that situation, but if he would be willing to come here for depth, then sure. But I, but anyways, as far as, is their interest real? That's just me kind of opining on, but is their interest real? I haven't really, I haven't gotten to the point where I feel like it's really real as more, you know, because again, it's just that, that thing came out last week from Josina Anderson. And then it just kind of, it died. Um, and like I said, what I was told is I don't know where that's coming from. Um, but I don't, but my, ever, the indications I've gotten from this, from people is that, uh, there's more, um, I would say satisfaction with that running back room and that they, they seem to like what they have uh, in, in, in that running back room. So anyway, but I also think that, you know, here's the other thing again, they're, they're close friends. It could be, you know, listen, that sometimes guys, things get floated to help a guy's market. Sometimes it could be that, Hey, if something goes awry in training camp, then of course he'd be on their list. He'd have to be anyway. Brian Johnson wants to know, hey, John, what's the likelihood they add depth on the O-line? Who do we think wins at left guard, Charles or Paul, and why? All right, well, I don't – I mean, I I think they feel better about their O-line than a lot of other people do. Keep in mind, the whole offseason was about adding depth. They signed three guys in free agency, including Trent Scott, to be a backup tackle. He was working as a fourth tackle. They also signed Wiley, Andrew Wiley, Nick Gates. So you got two starters and then you drafted two guys. So you that's where you build your depth. So I think they feel pretty good about where that depth is. Now, I do have some some wonders and somebody asked me about the concerns about it. I do have some concerns about it because there's there's there you're going to have starters at four new or new starter at four spots this year because Cosme's going from right tackle to right guard. So it's a new spot for him. So we don't know what he's going to do. So that is, is that a concern? Yeah, it's a, certainly a question. If nothing else, I do think in this situation, I think Chris, excuse me, I think Sadiq Charles wins that job because I think he's an impressive talent. He's always been an impressive talent. He just can't stay healthy. And then that leads to inconsistencies. And I think a lack of confidence. I think one, the more he can stay on the field, the more confident he'll become. So I would put right now, I would say, you know, he's clearly the favorite to win the job. He's got more experience. There are things that I liked with Chris Paul last year. I found him to be pretty raw. It looks like he's in better shape than he was a year ago. So I'd be curious to see how that translates on the field. But in the spring, it's really hard to tell because they're not in pads. So it's impossible to get a great feel for it. But right now, I would say Sadiq because my, you know, I was told early on that Bianami really likes Sadiq Charles. But again, the key for him is staying healthy. If he can stay on the field consistently, then he can be in a good situation. Anyway, that's it from me. That's that was I got through as many as I could there, folks. So I hope you appreciate that. I appreciate all the questions. And as always, I appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll be back next week, coming out Tuesday, not Monday this time, Tuesday, as we enter into the July, excuse me, the summer portion of the schedule until training camp starts. Then we'll get back to a lot of podcasts. So talk to you next time. 